like Easter, it's kind of, kind of difficult to say anything that hadn't been said before. We almost know what to expect, right? Because, you know, after all, it uh, is the celebration of the birth of Christ. I, I, I was thinking this week about what I ought to preach this morning, and I, I keep a notebook of the different sermons I preach and when and where, and uh, uh, this here on each side here is just the title of Christmas sermons that I've preached over uh, some of the years. This certainly doesn't include all of it, and there's probably 40, 40 different sermon titles there, The Bright and the Morning Star, The Virgin Birth, The Meaning of Christ- Christmas in One Word, The Wise Men, Christmas Thoughts, Shepherds in Search of a Shepherd, Mary's Advice, The Meaning of Christmas, Things Everyone Can Give, God's Gift, The Virgin Birth, Emmanuel, Gifts from Wise Men, The Purpose of His Birth, and it goes on and on. Uh, Wow, just, uh, and I thought, well... what kind of a what kind of a title am I going to use this time? And so I thought I'd just uh, make it as simple as I as I could. And uh, if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, you'll find it in two words in John chapter one and verse number eleven. And and just the first two words is our text this morning. Uh, boy, we could spend hours going through this entire chapter because it all deals with these two words. And uh, we could spend a lot of time sorting through all of the details, and we'll look at some other verses, but basically it's all summed up in these two words, He came. He came. Uh, have you ever thought about all of the what-ifs in life? Oh, the different things that we could talk about, you know, what if Columbus hadn't sailed the ocean blue? Well, you know, what if Silk hadn't never discovered the vaccine for polio? What if, what if you hadn't, you know, met that sweet thing that you married? You know, <laughs> maybe we ought not to go there, but. Uh, <laughs> But we can think about a lot of what-ifs, but have you ever thought about what if Jesus had not come? What if Jesus had never been born? I mean, what then? I mean, as bad as the world is, can you imagine what the world would be like had He never been born, had He never died for our sins on the cross? So it's thrilling beyond our ability to to even understand, to be able to just stand here before you this morning and say these two words, the truth. He came. Uh, He came just as it was promised. You look back through the Old Testament and over 700 years before, Isaiah prophesied that he would come born of a virgin. His coming was punctual in the fullness of time. And boy, there's a whole sermon in that right there. I mean, everything in the world was just just at the right time. God put all of the pieces together. At that precise time, Jesus came. He wasn't late. He wasn't early. He was right on time. And not only that, He came in the prescribed manner. He was born of a virgin, like the Bible said. He came to the very place that had been predicted in the Bible. But think about just that first word, he. 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 
Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let that sink in for just a little while. God with us. God in the flesh, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Prophet, the Priest, the King, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End, the First, and the Last, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Bright and Morning Star, the Fairest of Ten Thousand, and on and on and on. We could just talk about that one little word, He. Or... We could add a lot of things to that one word. We could talk about the fact that He planned all of creation. Before anything existed, all of this was taking place in the mind of God. So He planned all of creation. And then we could talk about the fact that He created all things. And the fact that He controls all things. But to us... Personally, you know, the most meaningful of all is the fact that He came. He came. He condescended from heaven to this sin-cursed earth. He came. And the Bible speaks about that over and over again. Uh, In the Bible, we find the promises of His coming. There's the first promise there in Genesis 3 and verse 15, where it speaks about the seed of the woman... Her seed, which could only be applied to the Lord Jesus Christ, her seed. And so this is the first prophecy concerning Christ. But then there's not only the first promise, there's the famous promise there in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14 that says, A virgin shall conceive. And then there's the fulfillment of all of these promises that God has given. So we see the promises and then we see the proof and I guess I could say, you know, the the proof of the matter is in the fulfillment of the promises that God gave. I feel sorry for these folks that tell us Christians that, you know, that we're fools for just, you know, uh, taking a shot in the dark and basing our beliefs, you know, just on blind faith. I, I want you to understand our faith is not blind faith. We have all of the evidence that we need. Do do you realize there were over 300 prophecies fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is, while He was here upon this earth, over 300 prophecies were fulfilled. I don't know about you, but that's all the evidence I need. There's more evidence for Him than there is that George Washington or anybody else ever existed. So I have no reason to not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I have the proof of the promise. But the thing this morning I want to really focus on is the purpose. Because if you don't understand this, even though... Even though you realize that He came, you you understand when He came, you understand where He came to, you've studied that, and you know where He came to, you know that He has come, but do you understand, really understand, why Jesus came? Now, you know, we could go out on the street corner and ask that question of a thousand people and get all kinds of different answers, but we, we best... Let the Bible answer that question. Why did He come? We know He did. Why did Jesus come? Look at verse number 4 here in John 1, verse number 4. 
And I want you to notice that Jesus came to project light. Verse number 4, in him was life, notice, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, and that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We live in a depraved and darkened world today because of sin. People are corrupt. People are confused. People are condemned. And the Bible explains that in Romans chapter number 1, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. There was a darkness that settled upon mankind in his rejection of what he could know about God because the Bible says the visible things testify for us as to the invisible. In other words, we can understand that God really exists by looking at the things that are. Look at creation, and if you've got a lick of sense, that tells you there must be a designer, there must be a creator, there must be a God. So we have all of that evidence, and yet whenever we reject that evidence, the Bible says our foolish heart is darkened. So what do we need when we're groping about in the darkness When we are blinded by our sin, what do we need? Well, we need light. And Jesus is that light. He's the one that illuminates our minds. He's the one that enables us to see ourselves for what we really are because light reveals the true nature of things. And we never understand the true nature of anything until Jesus Christ shines into this world. And it's through Him, looking at His perfection, that we begin to see our imperfections. We realize that this is God's ideal because He came into the world to show man what man ought to be as God designed him to be. So He came as a perfect example for mankind And boy, we look into the face of Christ and we see Him as He is and we realize our shortcomings. And so not only does He provide the light that we recognize our sinfulness, but it's through the light that He provides that we understand that redemption is possible. He is the one that opens up the doors of our minds, so to speak, and enables us to understand the Scriptures. The sad thing is that The Bible says in John chapter 3 that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So many times we wonder, why is it that we can't get the world to see and to understand that Jesus is the Messiah? Why can't we get them to understand that salvation is a real life experience and our eternal destiny depends upon it? Why can't we get them to see that? Well, it's because they're blind and they need light. And Jesus came to project light into this world. Without Him, it would be all darkness. But look at verse number 4, and here I want you to notice, not only did He come project light, but also to provide life. He says in verse 4, "...in Him was life, and the life was the light of men." In our natural state, the Bible tells that we are 
we have no hope and without God in this world. That is that we are dead. And by that, I mean spiritually dead. We are separated from God. You might be born into a royalty. You might be born with the IQ of a genius. You might be born in the lap of luxury. You might be born into this world and have all of these abilities and talents that are so unusual that capture the imagination and the admiration of those around you. But listen, none of that will suffice for the natural man because spiritually you are dead. That, that is without any spiritual life, you see. There are a lot of folks that are religious, but they lack life. You know, and we wonder why in the world, you know, we keep falling and failing over and over again. Well, it's because they've not yet discovered that religion is no remedy for man's problem. You know, that that doesn't solve anything. I've heard people say, well, you know, I tried going to church and it didn't help me. Well, no, it never will. The church can't help you. The preacher can't help you. The only one can help you is Christ because in Him is life. And you can join every church in town, but it won't help you get to heaven. You can sing praises like a nightingale, but until you've been born again, you're as dead as a dodo bird. I mean, you can be baptized in the creek till every, every tadpole in the creek knows you by your first name, but that's not going to get you into heaven, you see. That's not going to save your soul because what you need is not more information and what you need is not more religion and what you need is not more reformation. What you need is life. And, and you can only find this life that you need in one person and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other source. He, he's the only way. He's the truth. He is the, the life. So He came into the world and this is what Christmas is all about. He came. He came to project light. He came to provide life. But notice, look in Luke chapter 4 for just a moment, verse 18, and we see that He came to proclaim liberty. Luke Chapter number 4, and chapter number 4, and verse number 18. And by the way, some have described this as our Lord's mission statement. And, and listen to what He says here. At the very beginning of His ministry, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, the Bible pictures sinful man as being in bondage, slavery of the worst sort. In fact, Paul, in speaking to Timothy, says of the unsaved that they're taken captive by the devil at his will. You know, we talk about a lot about man being a free moral agent. We hear a lot of folks about people being free to do as they please. But that's not the whole story. You might be, you might be able to do as you please, but you're not able to do as you ought. You, you see, anyone can reform their life in a measure... Anyone can, you know, stop a particular sin for, for a while, 
But none of us can stop altogether and deliver ourselves altogether from sin. It's impossible because we are living in bondage. I think about the Jews when Jesus came. And notice he says, I came, you know, to proclaim liberty. I want people to know that not only am I going to give them light, and not only am I going to give them life, I'm going to set them free. And I'm so glad that when the Lord saved me, He didn't leave me in the honky-tonks in the bar rooms. Amen. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't say to me, now look, I'm going to save you. I'm going to give you a place in heaven, but you're going to have to work your way out of this bar room. You can move from stool to stool and get closer and closer to the door, and maybe someday you'll get out the door and be delivered from the bondage of alcohol. Uh, that, that's not the way God worked. God delivered me. Amen? And, and that, He provides that for every person that He saves. If you sin, you're sinning because you want to, not because you have to. You don't have to live in bondage. Not if you're a child of God, because He has provided liberty for us. When Jesus came, and you'll notice He came unto His own, going back to our text, but His own received Him not. That is, He came to the Jews And what happened? Well, in chapter 8, it tells the story where the Lord said, If the Son of Man shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. And they said, Oh, we've never been in bondage to anyone. We're the children of Abraham. We're not in bondage to any man. We're, you know, we're free. And you see, they failed to understand that they were living in bondage to sin. And they depended upon their own self-righteousness and, and as a result of that, never recognized their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. How sad it is that people are in that state of mind that, you know, maybe they're satisfied with being a member of the church or being a good neighbor or being a generous person. And as a result of that, they fail to see their need of Christ. Well, let me tell you, you'll never be free from sin, you'll never have life that is spiritual life until you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But there's another reason that Jesus came, and that is to prove love. Look back in John again, chapter 1 again, verse 17 this time. Notice it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Well, I don't even need to quote John 3.16, do I? Huh? For God so loved the world, what did He do? He gave His only begotten Son. That was the reason that He came. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 16 tells us also about the fact that He came. That is, that God Himself came and He shed His own blood, divine blood that was shed for us on the cross at Calvary in order to save us. You see, Christianity is unique. It's different than all of the religions on this earth. I say that because none of the other religions on earth picture their gods as being gods of love. They picture their gods as being cruel deities that, that, you know, and their subjects and the, you know, and that their gods have been offended and consequently that his wrath must be appeased by something they do. 
In other words, we've got to throw our children to the wading crocodiles in the Ganges River. Or we've got to offer them up as a sacrifice in the flames of fire. Or, or, or we've got to be baptized in order to make God happy, to please Him, or He'll never let us into heaven. Or we've, you know, we've got to do this or we've got to do that. You see, that's what religion teaches. And let me tell you, there's not one bit of difference between Catholicism that teaches salvation by works, not one bit of difference between that and those dark-skinned people over in the jungles of Africa dancing around a totem pole and walking on coals of fire and worshiping the demons. There's not one bit of difference. It's all religion. I'm not saying that to hurt your feelings or to offend someone that's here today, but you need to know the truth because your eternal destiny depends on it. And one religion, you've heard people say, well, one religion is just as good as another. Well, you know, you've got a good point there. But the thing you don't understand is they're all worthless. There's no religion that's good for anything except the true religion, which is... The worship of God Almighty, the Creator, the Great I Am, who manifested Himself by coming into this world as a baby and died on the cross and arose from the grave. That's the only way to salvation. That's the only way that we can have life. I understand why some people might wonder. Now remember, as an unsaved person... They don't have the light, the spiritual light that Christ provides. They don't have life. They're spiritually dead, separated from God, and they're living in bondage. They're like a puppet on the string, you know, and, and, you know, and Satan's pulling the strings. They, they can't really do as they ought to do. They're in slavery. And I can understand living in this wicked, cruel world. Why some might conclude that this God you keep talking about, preacher, He couldn't really be a God of love like you say. You know, and I picture in my mind some, maybe some parent that's recently lost a child. Or I think that right now, uh, I'm thinking about little Robin Harvard and all of those, you know, that are down at the cancer center at M.D. Anderson and those parents that walk into that place every day and they watch their little children as the flesh melts away from their bones and as they watch them before their very eyes deteriorate and get right at the point of death. And, and I can almost picture them standing out in the halls wondering, where is this God you keep talking about? How could God love me and let something like this happen to me? I'll tell you where he is. He's right where he's always been. He is the one that loved you so much and proved it by dying on the cross, shedding his blood for you. Calvary proves the fact that God loves us. And that ought to be all the evidence that anyone needs. You see, we misunderstand God because we keep thinking and And the world has taught us this, and it's not true. We keep thinking that it's God's business to make us 
healthy, wealthy, and wise, you know, to enjoy life, to be happy and prosperous. And, and that's what God's purpose is. He's like a big Santa Claus in the sky. And he, he ought to be just showering us with all of these gifts and giving us whatever we want. And, and when God doesn't cooperate, all of a sudden, you know, we, we're, we're confused and we wonder, well, where is this God of love? You see, God's, God's main interest is not trying to make life better for you here on this earth. That's, that's not what Christianity is all about. It's about saving your wretched soul and giving you a place in heaven for all of eternity. Just because you get saved doesn't mean God's going to pay your bills. It doesn't mean He's going to heal your broken bones. It doesn't mean He's going to take away your scars. It doesn't mean God's going to do any of those things. He might not do those things, but He does something a whole lot better than that. He forgives you all of your sins. The Spirit of God comes to dwell, to live within you. And He gives you a hope of heaven so that you know that whenever you die, that to die is gain because to depart and be with Christ is far better. And you can live with that hope and that peace and that assurance that all stems from the fact that God loved you enough that He died for you. He came. He came. That means salvation for sinners. It means forgiveness for those that are fallen. It means reconciliation for those that are rebels. It means help for the helpless, healing for the hurting, and hope for the hopeless. He came. 1 John 5, 20 said, and we know, listen, we know, we're not wondering about this, we know that the Son of God is come and have given us an understanding that we may know Him, not just know about Him, but that we can know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And so because He came, and we placed our trust in Him, we can live every day with that assurance. And knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that for us, The best is yet to come because He's going to come again just exactly like He promised He would. He came. Think about that. He came to earth to be with us. He came to earth for us. And if I could just describe Christmas in a word as I've done in sermons before, that one word would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He came to us. He died for us. He dwells within us. He promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. I'm so glad that I can live every day of my life knowing that His presence, that He'll never leave me, never forsake me, and that gives me companionship when I'm lonely. The whole world might turn against me, But I have the companionship of the one that created the world. It gives me comfort when I'm afraid. You say, oh, preacher, you you ever get afraid? I sure do. Just like you. 
You know, we might put a different label on it and say, well, I'm worried or I'm, you know, I'm troubled by this or that. And what it really means, we're scared to death, we're afraid. And whenever, whenever those fears come upon us, we have comfort in knowing that He is with us. And He calms us when we're troubled. He gives us courage whenever we are overwhelmed by the problems of life. And He gives us confidence when we're challenged to our very limit. He gives us control whenever we are tempted to sin. He gives us counsel when we're confused. He gives us cheerfulness when we're depressed. Contentment when we're facing needs. I mentioned earlier about Donna and the situation that she's in, and I could have well mentioned maybe a lot of people here and what their situation is. It's different, but it's it's uh, it's frightening in one aspect. And I'm telling you today, if you know you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there's only one thing that you've got to focus on. And that is, if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He says all of these other things, He says, will be added unto you. Brother Ron can tell you, and, and, uh, and it's not because we seem to have a big surplus. We don't have a big surplus. We've got a lot of money in the bank, but that's not a surplus. We, we, we can spend all of that in a heartbeat and not waste one red penny. Not a bit. But I'll tell you what, I, God helped me get to the place that I'm not worried about that. I don't need to know how much was the offering last week. I, I'm not going, you say, well, you're the pastor. You ought to be worried about it. Why should I worry about it when i got a God that's able to supply it? If we just focus on doing the right thing, that's the only thing we've got to be concerned about. Because God can take care of all of the rest of it. That's the wonderful part. The sad thing is there are no doubt some folks here today that do not know Christ as their Savior. He came to give you light and life and liberty. He wants to set you free. He wants to prove to you that He loves you. And, and, and He would save you. Jesus said, He that cometh unto me... I will in no wise cast out. He's already come to you. The question is, will you now come to Him? Will you trust Him with simple childlike faith? I was so glad after the service last week. And uh, Robin and Barry and little Robert came and and uh, met me out there in the hall and, and told me that Robert had trusted Christ as his Savior. You know, when something like that happens, I often wonder what would have happened, do you suppose, had that person died a day or a week or a month earlier? Am I making sense? Are you listening to me? To to, to think about the fact that, and, and some of you are a lot older than Robert is, there's some folks, you know, that live for decades on this earth and they've never truly been born again. And I want you to understand you're just one heartbeat, just one breath away from a devil's hell. And it doesn't have to be that way. 
because Christ came to give you spiritual life and to set you free. Oh, this could be the greatest Christmas in all of your life if you will accept God's gift, and that is His own dear Son who died for you. And we're going to give you that opportunity here this morning. Let's bow our heads together. Robert's going to follow the Lord in baptism. And and those awaiting baptism, if you'll go on to the dressing room. But if you're here today and you've not been saved, and it might be that you have some questions. It might be that there's something confusing about this matter of salvation to you. and, And we want to help you. We can't save you, but we can we can help guide you to the one that can. Or it might be you're here today and God's speaking to your heart about something entirely different. It might be that God's moving on your heart, that this is the church where He wants you to serve. It might be you're here today and you don't want to ask God for anything, but you want to you just want to get on your knees and thank Him for everything. Whatever God would have you to do, would you do that as we stand together and lift our voice in song? Would you meet me here? Come on. Yeah, you can come to Him just as you are. You don't have to put on any airs. You don't have to stop any sins. You don't have to change anything. guarantee you every Christian here, no doubt they can remember back to a place and a time. It might have been in a church service or it might have been somewhere else. And the Spirit of God began to convict their heart about their needs. And they trusted Christ as their Savior. And I can assure you they've never regretted that decision for one second. And you'll never regret making that decision in coming to Christ. Whatever it is the devil's trying to throw up before you, maybe you think, oh, I'm just, I'm too bad to ever be a Christian. I've done this and I've done that. No, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Doesn't make any difference who you are or what you've done. You say, oh, but preacher, I'm a, you know, I'm a different denomination. Look, I, I, I don't, that, I don't care what denomination you are. That's not important. The important part is whether you're a child of God or not. And if you're here and you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. You need, you need to do something about it right now. Tim sang another verse, and Brother Kenneth is going to come and 